I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. This is episode 471 of the Colombia Calling Podcast. I'm Richard McCall here, your host in Bogota. In this episode, I leave the house and I should forewarn you that we are recording in a working restaurant now. They weren't cooking at the time. There were no uh, patrons at the time. But at the same time, there's a back and forth. There's some turning on, turning off of machinery and whatever takes place in an effective and award-winning kitchen because we are at Mesa Franca. So you will hear it going in and out, but I've done editing and the sound is great. And what's most important is Maria Amador's voice is as clear as if you were sitting there next to her uh, listening to her telling you the story about the award-winning restaurant Mesa Franca located in Chapinero. It's really quite an incredible tale and such a nice conversation with someone who has helped certainly involved in the evolution or should we say revolution of the cuisine for foodies in Bogota. Accessible yet high quality restaurants. I think that's what's most important here. And who who could even imagine next week's episode 472 coming out on the 6th of June is our 10-year anniversary episode because actually the 4th of June is the 10-year anniversary but we bring things out on a Tuesday so that makes it the 6th of June. Who would have thought all these years we would have continued from strength to strength so this is a huge thank you to the 10,000 of you well whoever it is there's 10,000 downloads per month on a small niche Columbia focused in English podcast going out there that's 10,000 downloads a month it still seems unrealistic of course so much as that is due to Emily Hart people sign up for the news uh, brief from her that comes out every Monday to your WhatsApp uh, or wherever you like it sent. Of course, it's it's no small feat to have her on here. And of course, thank you to that. We would not have reached 10 years without her, but we would not have reached 10 years without you, the listeners, because if you don't listen, it's just me barking at the moon like a madman. So I am really, really thrilled. And of course, we have supporters uh, all, all, all over the world. And those of you, of course, from patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling, it really means a lot. And it's like a it's like a tip at the end of the month for us to get uh, you signed up for patreon.com so thank you and there is some swag on there if you if you are um, you know signed up for some time with us but at the same time 10 years it does seem really quite amazing um so yeah i'm going to leave you now in the capable hands of emily hart with the news and then we'll be back with uh, maria amador talking about 
Mesa Franca. But before I go, we are taking questions for next week's episode with Emily Hart interviewing me. That's what she's going to interview me about 10 years on the Columbia Calling podcast. So questions related to that, please, you can send it through on Twitter, Facebook, email. There is a contact form directly on our website, columbiacalling.co. There's a contact form on there. Some of you already have my direct email address as well. So send questions in. We've got a couple We've got a couple, but of course, Emily will be asking the hard questions too. Priority, of course, will be given to our Patreon supporters. So don't go away. Listen to this episode and start thinking about what you would like to hear on the next episode. Thank you again. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart and these are your top stories for the week of May 29th, 2023. The massacre of four indigenous children, seemingly in retribution for their having escaped forced recruitment, has ended the ceasefire between FARC dissident group the Estado Mayor Central and the Colombian government. The ceasefire has now been unilaterally lifted by President Gustavo Petro, who reactivated all military operations against the group in various regions of the country. According to the armed forces, the group had already violated the ceasefire around 200 times this year. The Conflict Analysis Resource Centre has registered 36 deaths due to ceasefire violations by the group in the same period. The group, however, claims that the facts are unverified and warns that the breaking of the ceasefire will unleash war and multiply the dead, wounded and prisoners. Nonetheless, peace negotiations continue. Meanwhile, the third cycle of talks with guerrilla group the ELN, the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, have been extended by 10 days, reportedly in order to firm up a much-awaited ceasefire between the group and the state. In the meantime, the group carried out an explosives attack in Tibul, in the department of Norte de Santander, which killed two policemen, supposedly an unintended result of the explosion. There have also been clashes between the ELN and the Clan del Golfo armed group, displacing 1,500 people near the San Juan River in Chocó, a key battleground for armed groups. 
Former President Alvaro Uribe may face trial for witness tampering and bribery after a judge ruled that she would not shelve the case on the grounds that there is sufficient evidence. Uribe has already said he will appeal the decision. He could serve up to 12 years if convicted. The case stems from 2012 when Uribe accused Senator Ivan Cepeda of fabricating evidence which tied him to paramilitaries. However, in 2018, the Supreme Court ended up ruling that it was in fact Uribe who had pressured and bribed witnesses. The case has been in and out of appeal processes and attempts to have it shelved ever since. The health bill has finally been approved in the House of Representatives and now needs only three congressional debates to become law. This reform has been one of the most important and most troubled in Petro's extensive agenda. Some key articles were changed and removed, including the granting of extraordinary powers to the president and the creation of regional funds to finance health systems. A major change which survived the debates, however, is that private healthcare providers will no longer have their central function of being intermediaries. The state administrator will be solely responsible for transferring money from health systems to hospitals, and providers will act now only as insurers. Poverty in Colombia is down to pre-pandemic levels, according to the government statistics agency. Severe multidimensional poverty fell from 16% to only 12.9% between 2021 and 2022. This is the best figure in history, but still a grim image of 6.6 million people in Colombia and how they continue to live. The Caribbean region recorded the biggest drop, over 5%, in just one year. The Department of Vichada, however, has a multidimensional poverty rate of more than 75%, the only region with a rate over 50%. Bogotá has a rate of only 4%. Those were your top stories for this week. Thanks for listening. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is segment three of episode 471. Well, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be here in the environs of the restaurant Mesa Franca, one of the top 50 restaurants in Latin America. And my very special guest this week is not only, but one of the founders, Maria Paula Amador. How amazing is it to be here with Maria Paula? I, 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 it's a real thrill. So welcome on the Columbia Calling Podcast. Hello, Richard. <laughs> no, it, you know what? I prefer if you call me Maria. Maria. Yes. Okay, so we'll just say Maria. My name is Maria Paula, <laughs> but for the past years, I've been telling everyone from now on, I'm only Maria. Okay. I don't well, know why. Okay. It's easier. <laughs> it is definitely easier. Well, yes, it's definitely easier. But anyway, what's more exciting is that we've left the house, everyone. Once again, we've left the house. It's not too often that we leave, leave the house. But uh, yes, we've left the house. We're not doing this via Zoom. We are here in the confines of Mesa Franca. We're here early. There's the bustle. Uh, you might hear in the background the bustle of whatever's going on, the preparations for lunchtime here. Uh, big deal, obviously, Friday. Uh, we're a stone's throw from the Carrera Septima, from where 
the Mesa Franca restaurant is located. It's an award-winning restaurant, as I mentioned previously. And we're just going to talk about it with Maria. We're just going to talk about how it came about, uh, how they came to be in this truly beautiful setting. It's one of those old English houses with a patio in the back and a patio terrace at the front and just everything evokes style and class. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Is How long ago did you start Mesa Franca? Wow. Okay. So the dream of having Mesa Franca started probably 15 years ago or a little more. Mm -hmm. No, a little more. Like when I was, I'm, I'm 36. You don't have to admit these things. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm, I'm very fine with that. Um, when I was still, um, like studying in high school, um, I was like dreaming of having a restaurant. Yeah. So that was back in 2005. Yeah. So my dream started back then. Okay. <laughs> I knew I was going to have a restaurant one day. Uh, I started working uh, in restaurants, Bogota, like Harry Sasson, mm-hmm. and then Astrid y Gaston. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met my business partner, Ivan, the chef. So even though Mesa Franca started almost seven years ago, like when you asked me when did it start, I, like for me, it started when my dream started. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you started really around the 50s, all those years ago. You were around Calle 50 something. I don't remember exactly, but I, I can see it. I can remember where I visited it for the first time. Beautiful. 55 with uh, Carreras. Okay, so you, yeah, you were in the 55, Calle 55 with Carreras Extra, so again, in the great house, and I remember the bar, and I would say that this kind of area was the new wave of the restaurant evolution. This is where young chefs with new ideas, you know, untethered by, by, let's say, the practices of the past, started this evolution in the restaurant world, the foodie movement. Uh, let's call it new wave. Anyway, I can, we'll name some others later on. But I imagine that the, the rent there was more affordable back then. But of course, now it's gentrified and it's obviously less affordable. I mean, this is, happens everywhere. But I do remember sitting at the cool bar and the first thing I ordered in Mesa Franca all those years ago was the Bloody Mary with the smoked tomato, uh, you know, made into the tomato juice. It was delicious. Yes. It's very good. Are you still serving that? <laughs> no, no, we don't. <laughs> Our menu changes constantly. Well, good. And it has been changing through the years. Well, like we've to. been evolving and evolving and yeah. evolving. Well, it's an evolution, isn't it? You need to keep evolving. You need to keep trying to change and changing successfully as you've done. You have so many repeat customers. You need to offer them something new each time they come. Of course, you know, this is, this is what a restaurant needs to do. You can't rest on your laurels. Exactly. That's like the, that's like the DNA of Mesa Franca. That's like our part of our soul. Okay. That everything is constantly changing, evolving. We're always showing something new in the kitchen, in the bar. Um, but when you mentioned about the house, yeah. um, I would like to talk about it yeah. because it has a very nice, um, like, it's a very nice story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when I finished high school, I left Colombia and I traveled for 10 years. 10, apenas. Oh, just 10. Okay. 10 years. <laughs> I love traveling. <laughs> so I studied and I uh, started working in restaurants and traveling at the same time. It was like the perfect combination. Mm -hmm. Like I also dreamed about, dreamed about traveling around the world. Uh, and when I came back to Colombia, um, like I was definitely like I was turning 30. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh my, the, the 30 crisis, you know, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I, I need to open my restaurant. And then I started uh, talking with uh, Ivan, my business partner, and uh, Tom, mm -hmm. who's my boyfriend and uh, also my business partner. And uh, he came with me. I met him uh, working in a cruise ship. So when, we came, when I came back, I met with Ivan, and then we started looking for a house. And as you, as you mentioned, like back in 2015, 2016, when we opened... Uh, Chapinero was a neighborhood uh, that was definitely more affordable than other neighbor neighborhoods uh, in Bogota. And not only because of that, we chose this area because we thought it had like an amazing vibe. And back then there were not many restaurants like today. Uh, there was only Minimal and Salvo Patria and... That was basically it. And Salvo Patria, I remember that they started in the corner building there in the Plaza del Portugal and then moved up to where it is now. Yes, exactly. And then, so when we were looking for a house, the very first house that we saw is where we are right now. And uh, we looked at it and it was huge and it needed like a very big investment. Uh, so we kind of said, no. <laughs> and then we we found the other house. Uh, it was a little smaller and needed less investment, and that's why, like, that that was one of the reasons we chose it. So we started there, and but we always had our eyes in this house. Well, I'm glad you found this house because there's been a few things here. It was, a, it was a, first, it was a restaurant yeah. uh, owned by the same owners of the house. Uh -huh. And then it was uh, like a cafe, like a cat, cat cafe. I, like, <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to know who went or who came to the uh, cat cafe. Believe it or not, many people. Yes, I went to a cat cafe in the Candelaria. I'm not a really big fan of cats and I didn't really want to go there, but I think I guess we were meeting people. Uh and I went to this cat cafe, cats everywhere, and I ended up getting fleas. <laughs> there, were, there were like 20 or 30 cats Ugh. in the second floor. And uh, people will come here to, for a coffee or, and, and to be with the cats. And still, nowadays, there's people that are walking and, and they ask, like, where are the cats? <laughs> and we're like, well, they're gone. Okay, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> uh, so, well, when COVID started... Uh, unfortunately, like the cat cafe had to close. Um, but fortunately for us, <laughs> like we were able to move. Yeah. So that move was like a very, very big step for us because it was like, like the move of growing even more yeah. and showing that we can be like, we can give even more, we can uh, do even more, we can show even more. Like we, for example, like in the first house, we were cooking in a garage. We were doing amazing things yeah. in a tiny like space where just a car fits. Yeah. It was basically 
the garage. <laughs> I remember, I remember when you know it was, it was mid-COVID or something when you said your guys were closing, but that was for the move. But we were all like those of us who did not know you were moving, like. Oh no, another victim of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, it was, well, for some people, like, yeah, they thought we were definitely closing. Yeah. It was not secret. I mean, like, we were telling everyone, but the thing is that not everyone, not everyone or not all of our clients are, like, super close to us. So many people, yeah, they thought even, like, after a year of being here or even more, I remember receiving guests that like opened the door and, and told us like oh my god i found you like we thought you were gone like for like forever yeah. forever you know like not everyone uses instagram not everyone uses uh you know yeah, all the social media but that's the thing isn't it i mean if you didn't know and, and it's kind of almost like a rebranding and people are not up to speed. Uh, it's it's a big step to move a location for an established restaurant. I mean, it's a huge deal. Of course, you experienced it, but yeah. you've now been here what two years, three years now? Two years. Two years. Two Everybody years. knows this this month. Uh, two years. Amazing. Like, it's amazing. I remember the day, fourth of May. Well, now you're here and you have all the space you need. You have a kitchen area down here that's visible from the restaurant. Do you have? Uh, a kitchen upstairs because this is a sizable house uh, not upstairs okay. only down here mm. and uh, for example this patio area mm. um, we opened only uh, September last year okay so yeah, I don't remember this like, this is the first time I've yeah, seen it here. this was basically like a like a just like an empty space people will come out here to like have a smoke yeah. um, it's and like the staff social quarters yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then, but because I said like this was like this move, like like permitted us to like move, like grow. Yeah. Yeah. So like we grew um, like organically, well, like we, like we've always done. But it has to be because it has to be a sustainable business model. You can't overdo it and open in the biggest warehouse and then expect to fill it. it exactly, does, it doesn't work that exactly. way. Exactly. I want to ask about, you know, those kind of English style houses back where you started out. Did you find like when you were doing some work, did you find like weird things buried in the walls and stuff? Because I know of some people have like found like bones and, 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 mm. and spells and stuff. Hmm. Let me think. <laughs> in the first house. Mm, well, there was a, well, we found a, like a, a Christ. Yeah. Uh, on a cruz? Yeah. Was it inside the wall? Uh, no, not inside. It was just hanging somewhere. Um, so we heard stories that, like, the person that lived there before was, like, very religious. But we didn't really find, like, weird things. But there was, there was a story that, like, there was a ghost yeah. living there. I know. And I remember we had like these long hanging lamps mm -hmm. in the, like in the... It was in the center, wasn't it? In the, the center. Like the cloistered style. Yes. Style. And, um, and they will move a lot, like, you know, like, you know, there's something. <laughs> and then I remember like, oh yeah, Ivan, the chef, one day went to one of the rooms that was kind of like a, like a warehouse, well, like, like yeah. a place where we keep things. Yeah. And then he, he, he took the, 
the handle of the door yeah. from the other side to close the door because you know you have to press oh, the, yeah, button the button to keep yeah. it to keep it closed. And he says that he felt a hand grabbing him like this, like really strong. Like and then he was like, Oh my god. Things like this. Like and then uh, we have an employee who's been working with us for seven years already. She said she also saw something. Um, like the dogs, the dogs, you know, the dogs also feel like energies. Uh, sometimes like in the mornings where there were no people, no clients. And then some of our dogs like will bark at like, like staring <laughs> like at, like really at something or somebody or so things like that. You see, I knew it. I knew those old houses because I've heard of it before, but a little bit further uh, south, someone moved in and they said, well, we found like little kind of burial stuff and things to make a business go better. And my listeners who've been listening for ah, 10 years now, uh, hopefully, will know I've got businesses in Montpos and, and we've had spells put on us and we've found burials underneath the colonial houses. Obviously, these houses here in Chapinero are more contemporary but the practice of mixing, let's say, the Catholicism with something else and perhaps the belief or the reality of having ghosts is very present in Colombia. It is. It's, it's something that's, you know, it's, it's openly talked about. So I thought, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to ask Maria about this. But here in this house, nothing. Um, maybe less. <laughs> This house is huge. Yes, this is. house is huge. And there's another part of the house, like that second uh, floor. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, part of this house too. It's part of this okay. house. Um, maybe after this yeah. podcast, I, I will invite you to go <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> there's, it's kind of like abandoned and uh, like the, like the, there's like, the house is owned by a family. Yeah. And this part of the house is owned by a part of the family. And this other part is owned by uh, one of the oldest member of the family. Yes. And he keeps a lot of things up there. So when you go up there, you're going you're gonna to feel the energy. <laughs> and, and, okay, so it's one of those typical things where there's a, a family with all different parts uh, of it yeah. owning different things. But they're now telling us that um, they're, they're, they now have an agreement and they want to rent that part as well for us. So we're thinking about like opening something different up something there. Something different. Yeah. Not, not an extension of Mesa. Not an extension. Definitely not an extension. We're, well, we're done with extensions. Well, I, like, I like the size you've got here. Uh, there's a good space. We're not jammed in. And that's one thing I said to my wife when we were last here, it's probably about a month ago. I said, I'm so glad that I don't feel that they've stuck. You know, there are restaurants to the, in this space where we are now would stick another five tables in. No, <laughs> the thing is that, that. Um, I mean, we started with 80 covers. Then we moved here. We had 90 covers. And with the patio extension, we now have 126 covers. The thing is that it doesn't, it doesn't, because it's so huge yeah. and there's many different areas, you don't see like the tables are like... You don't feel it. But that's not the point. The point is that we're a high quality restaurant and to keep uh, like the standards and the quality in kitchen and bar for like that amount of people is very difficult. Mm -hmm. So we definitely don't want more covers. 
Um, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge for us because... Lot. You know, and you do a several, a couple of sittings at lunch and... Uh, lunch, it's not as busy as uh, night service. Um, well, definitely like Saturday's lunch and, and Sunday lunch are, are, are very busy. Mm. But um, dinner service is, is very, very, very full. That's why we only ever come at lunchtime because it's the only time we can get a reservation. <laughs> <laughs> always come, with or without a reservation. Well, it's just the two People, of us as well. It's, yeah, it's always much easier. Yeah, there's always an, uh, a way, there's always an option. We always find a space. I have noticed that. Your staff are very good at that. <laughs> they do, you know, look at making a solution. Sometimes I go in the, to another restaurant, other restaurants, not naming any, and, you know, the, the person receiving you just looks blankly and it's like it'll be a 45 minute wait. Uh, Honestly, you know there are what? other restaurants in the city i i go. just remembered now that you say that it's a funny story um a few years ago uh we went to paris uh we were traveling and we went to a restaurant with the uh, tom uh and it was a restaurant, you know, like Anthony Bourdain visited. Okay. So we really wanted to go and this and that. And we entered the restaurant. We didn't have a reservation. We were just the two of us. And we said, hello, how are you? Very, you know, yeah. nice and friendly. Oh, it's um, Paris. They're not going to be yeah. back. Do, do you have a table for two? And the lady looked at us with a, the reservation booked, book. And she says, fully booked, fully booked. Oh, and we were like, what? <laughs> Can you be a little bit nicer, no, please? No, it's not. Um, I was there. People will know this. We were there two years ago in Paris. And, uh, I have two small children, and I really am sure that Parisians hate children. I mean, you know, they're just children. You know, they're just doing the stuff they're doing. So we always tell this story. Yeah. Always. You tell your staff this as well. Like, this is not what we're going to be. I think there's a real issue because you want to be. I know we are the clients, and then, the, the, but also there has to be. There's a two-way, isn't there? It's like the restaurant and the clients. If there's a good behaviour, then there's a good feeling, and then there's a better service, and it's the same way, you know. And then, then the tip is hopefully bigger, and you know, it all works in this in this thing. Before we move off the issue of ghosts and energies, and before you show me the other side, of the okay. House, so we are here, what, what calle is this? This is uh, 61. So we're on 61, half a block up from the Septima. Now, anyone who knows a little history about Bogota will know, when, if you come past, there is a sort of abandoned graffiti building right on the corner of 61 and Septima, which used to be a famous Italian restaurant, like one of the classic ones, I think, in Bogota, called Posetto. And of course, now just, just put Posetto Bogota into Google, and all these things will come up about a dreadful murder. I mean, it was, a, it was a, someone opened fire in there. Yeah, so in, in, in 1986, 19... I think we, we looked up. The year that. I was born. There you go. So, <laughs> uh, and, and so there's a legend around there, and that house is kind of spooky, and I, I'm sure what they'll do is they'll demolish it to put up some apartments. That seems to be the, the way in this area. That's what they're, they've been saying. But they're nobody go- seems to have done anything. No, uh, we've heard stories that they're gonna demolish, that they're gonna build a like an like a, an apartments block. But I mean, it's there. It's yeah. not moving. We don't know what's gonna happen. No, it seems to be sort of like a, a house for for the the homeless at the moment and stuff. But does, the energy doesn't affect you here because I I'm here and it feels great. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it feels great. It's a really good feeling. 
I mean, you know what? I think we've uh, we've changed the energy. Yeah. I think so. And uh, in this street, we were the first uh, to open, and then uh, another restaurant called Rio yeah. opened a few months ago, and Momentino like a year ago. It's a wine a wine yeah, wine place, here, a wine bar. It? Isn't it nice? Isn't yeah, it nice? it's just it's just next, next door. door. I've been told about that, and isn't it's like a really a, nice a uh, wine as well, just around here, like for in, on, in front. Okay. There's a, there's a bookstore. I knew there's all sorts of things. And two hair salons. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> well, there always were some. There always, there always were some here. Because I've been... I used to live on the 64th. 64? Yeah. It's on the other side of the road in the big building. So it was always my walking route was up and around here and stuff. When, and now, we need to celebrate you a bit. Because you're always traveling and you're always around. And what's the most recent award you guys have got? Because you are... One of the most recognized uh, restaurants now in Bogota, if not Colombia. When people say we've got to go, on their list is Mesa Franca. So what is the most recent <laughs> award you have won? Thank you, thank you. Uh, we received um, last year, in November, um, the award of uh, being in the um, number 49 in the 50 best restaurant uh, Latin American list. I saw the plaque outside. Stuck <laughs> yeah. it up. Pretty cool though, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. They gave it to us uh, when we, we traveled to Mexico yeah. for the ceremony. Um, we got it and we placed it there. Well, of course. Now for 2023, <laughs> you'll obviously be going up. Will you take that plaque down and put it with the better one? No. <laughs> you keep it and then you place the other, the next one. To just show the continuity. Exactly. Do you know anything <laughs> about how you're doing this year? Is there like a, a leap? We don't table? know anything. And uh, last year we didn't know anything either. Cool. Like we never, we never uh, worked for being in the list. We never looked to be in the list. It just happened, which is nice. It's like a recognition for what we do. Yeah. Uh, we just didn't look for it. Mm -hmm. It happened. But then it means you're focusing on what you have and you're focusing on what you offer and, and awards. You know, they are secondary, but it, they come parallel and, and push you up as well. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. And so when are we going to get some Michelin stars? There's no Michelin stars in, in Colombia, in, Colombia, in uh, Latin America. But when are you going to get one? You're going to be the first. <laughs> come on, come on. Wasn't there... But there have been chefs with Michelin stars who've, who've done some work in Colombia, right? Yeah, uh, Colombian chefs, yeah. yes. For yeah. example, Sebastián Vargas in uh, Los Félix in Miami. Okay, he, so he's he got a He got a Michelin star. All right. And uh, Juan Manuel Barrientos, Barrientos from El Cielo. Yes, Juan Manuel Barrientos, who has done such great work with former reintegrating paramilitaries, getting them into the restaurant business and out of, obviously, the situation that they're in. So anyway, let's move on here. We've got this huge house. We're coming back to this again. You're not doing an expansion of Mesa Franca, but you do or you must have plans for the rest of the house. There's too much space here. There's too much space for you to, I mean, you can establish something else. So tell us, tell us what's the plan. Let's keep it a secret. Oh. But what it's not a secret... You'll tell me. Uh, it's we're opening uh, uh, Colorado in a few months. Colorado. Colorado. Uh, Where's that? Colorado is going to be on Calle 65, uh, next to Leo. Yeah. Same street. Same street. Okay. So that little... little sort so, of, uh, so it's a bakery. Oh, nice. Um, 
like a all day cafe concept uh, where you can go and uh, have breakfast, uh, lunch, an early dinner, um, where you can have like a coffee, go and work for a bit, or you can also go with friends and have uh, like low ABV cocktails or a bottle of wine. It sounds like a kind of place that I would go to for a meeting or just to hang out or to pretend I'm working somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So when a, does that open? When does Colorado open? Uh, it's going to open end July or Soon. beginning of August. Okay, for the summer European Hopefully. Month. If, hopefully. <laughs> no, it will. It will. That's a good <laughs> no, it's a good area to start up. It's a good area to open something because it's a kind of like that pocket. And I've always thought of the Calle 65 being a barrier, a barrier, not so much of gentrification, but how things have changed and how you get the different restaurants now popping up in that area. The Sonaje and Chapinero. Yeah, so we look at that. I mean, the street, the 65 originally had all these sort of Mondongo and Fritanga places, most of whom, most of which are still there, sort of Doña Nieves, I believe it's called, and it's kind of famous. But now you've got, you know, Salon Tropical, Contra Corriente, um, I want to say Cafe Bar Universal. They're all there. Yeah, from time to time, I'm, I, I give talks or presentations on Colombian politics and culture at, at places like the Casa Medina Hotel and so on. And of course, the, the guests afterwards are like, no, we're going to dinner or wherever, lunch at El Chato or, or any one of those ones on the 65. And they said, oh, yeah, the hotel's going to get us a taxi. And I'm like, no, but you can walk. I'll guide you. It's like a you know six-minute walk out of my way. I'll guide you over there. I'll walk you over there. And that's what makes it so special is the is 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 the proximity the walking distance making bogota a bit more of a walking city once again well i think it goes without saying that the 65 the calle 65 is an exciting street for all the restaurants oh and i've overlooked one pasta at emilia romagna i think uh i think you should go there as well if people want to have uh have a, a great pasta lunch dinner emilia romagna on the 65 as well and of course avoid all the escoltas that's the armed cars uh, uh you know blocking the road for famous people getting in and out of them but to just head down there do book of course but as you can tell uh i like to go out for food i am a great patron of all of these restaurants uh it's it's one of the great things. It's one of the most enjoyable things to do in Bogota. Probably you go to more restaurants that, than I do. Well, you probably get tired of going to <laughs> no, restaurants. No, you know what? Like People think that because you're working in the restaurant industry, you go to a lot of restaurants, mm. but actually you're working at your restaurant, so you don't really have time to go to other restaurants. Yeah. I mean, we try, but but I have friends that don't work in the restaurant industry and go more to restaurants than me. So when they ask me for recommendations, I'm like, well, I know because I work in the restaurant industry, but it's not because I've been like... Well, say, I can't emphasize enough that with the street and this area and the walkability of it and visitors to Colombia and visitors to Bogota, they want that. And remember, it's safe around here. It's safe to walk in these areas. Of course, you take a little bit more care at night. And uh, well, I'd say also before... Before having children, you know, we would go out a lot more to restaurants. But you know, we still get out there once, maybe twice a week at a push. But it's, uh, it, it, I like it because I walk to all of these places and don't have to take the car, which of course Bogota, one of the worst cities in the world for traffic. And um, 
I think I think that Mesa Franca represents um, a neighborhood, a neighborhood uh, restaurant. We definitely are. Yeah. yeah. Now, is your policy is we can, like farm we can, to table as well? Uh, we can be a neighborhood restaurant, but we can also be a destination restaurant, yes. like both. I mean, and talking about farm to table, uh, well, yes, we definitely work with uh, small producers. Uh, local producers. Um, that's is your fish coming in from the Pacific, or does it come in from? The it does comes from the Pacific. Nice, Is nice. uh, responsible fishing. It has to be. That's how you say yeah, in yeah, English. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pescar responsable. Yeah, responsible. Yeah, sustainable. <laughs> sustainable, uh, responsible fishing. Uh, we also get uh, not only from the Pacific. We also get trout uh-huh. from Guanenta which is a natural, beautiful <laughs> reserve in Santander. Oh, nice. Okay. So that's also a beautiful, beautiful product. Um, we work a lot with uh, organic vegetables from uh, Vida Organica, uh, Finca, Finca Tagua. So that's great. I mean, you really are connected into the sort of Colombian network of providers and so on. I, you know, I know of restaurants that import everything and you really do have to, you really do have to sort of look look inwards, look at the country and everything that is provided here. Of course, you have to work with uh, imported ingredients yeah. like, for example, olive oil. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then the rest here in Mesa Franca, we work with a local product. Well, we've come to that sort of point in the podcast, in this recording, that we need to give a shout out to, well, one of our listeners, one of our listeners who put me and Maria in touch. In fact, he might be Mesa Franca's biggest fan because I know that he, at the moment, is living opposite. So he probably just comes over for, you know, a pan de queso and a, a, and a coffee. But anyway, Chris, thank you so much for putting us in touch. Chris is originally from Indiana via California and now Bogota. So uh, yeah, well, no more about Chris, but thank you, Chris. And Yes, it's probably time. It's probably time for Maria to go and crack the whip. And to my listeners, I also need to say this, and I know that the sound is coming in and out. Well, it is a working restaurant. It is Friday morning, probably one of the biggest days of the week. So we just, we, we deal with whatever's happening, the the sounds turning on, turning off. I don't know what they're doing. Maria knows better. And of course, she's sort of logging it in her heads. Maria, I think it's probably time for you to start cracking the whip, getting things ready for Friday. One question here. Do you stay all the way until the restaurant closes? Uh, Not until it closes, but definitely. You'll be overseeing. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we have to let Maria... After a few years at the beginning, yeah, we will stay from opening till close. Well, I used to do that in the hotels as well. But then, like, after a few years and when you start uh, trusting and you have your, like, a great team... Like, you have to kind of let it go. Well, that's it. I mean, if you show your trust in the team, then it moves on, and then you can leave or delegate a bit better, and that's how these things work. But I think it's time now that we leave you, Maria, and just say, listen, congratulations on these continued successes that you are having with Mesa Franca and, of course, that you will have with Colorado, which will be over there near to Leo, uh, a bit closer to the Zona G from where you are now. It's bound to be a success. Uh, I just, you you know, we we, we stand in awe uh, at the work you have done to change and to broaden the horizons, broaden the... um, offer 
uh, offering of, of Colombian food, new Colombian food. Thank you. Well, thank you uh, for inviting me. Actually, this was my first uh, podcast. There we go. There we go. It's taken me 10 years to get you on here. But, uh, no, well, it's all fun, isn't it? It's about having a conversation. I thought I was going to be nervous, but Why? it was fine. Why? Also, you're in your domain, so there's no, uh, there's no real reason to be Thank nervous. you to all the listeners. Thank you, Chris, for putting us in contact. And thank you, Richard. Well, there you have it. Uh, our conversation with Maria Amador of Mesa Franca. Again, I apologize for the way the sound comes in and out. I've done some editing to make this a bit better, but of course it's a working kitchen and that's what we need to deal with when we leave the house and don't do these things via Zoom. It's been a great conversation and I truly, truly recommend all of you, if you can, get a reservation with Mesa Franca. Uh, if you're here in Bogota, if you're living in Bogota, passing through, whatever, get a reservation with Mesa Franca. There are a whole host host of new restaurants out there and they're not so new anymore but they represent the new here in Bogota and it has become a foodie destination in its own right on that respect so I really am quite pleased to live here and quite proud uh, and of course I take no proud pride in it I mean it shouldn't take any pride in it but I am proud to be able to eat at these places it's a privilege to be within walking distance of most of them so thank you again to Maria Amador and her team uh, for for this uh, space this time and uh, of course on a Friday when they're about to start uh, sweating it for the big client rush of clientele friday lunch friday dinner saturday lunch saturday dinner and so on so we'll leave you now with some messages from our sponsors but of course remember you can always uh, well give us like what is amounts to a little tip isn't it uh, at uh, www.patreon.com forward slash columbia calling you can it's like a tip for us for emily and myself thank you always to everyone who is already signed up on patreon supporting us next week very exciting indeed. 10th year anniversary, episode 472. It will be Emily and myself taking your questions. So send them in. That uh, can be sent in on messages on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, via our contact form. That's columbiacalling.co. You can find the contact form there. We are taking your questions regarding the 10 years of the Columbia Calling podcast. So please send them in because we'll be recording on Friday. That's Friday, the 2nd of June. That will be the cutoff point for questions. So over to our sponsors now, and thank you for listening. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region, Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique 
private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's www.columbiacalling.co, or the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's www.bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive Colombian adventure. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors.